0: Hey, Watermark friends and family, welcome to another conversational podcast episode. I'm joined with my dear friend and co-laborer, co-worker here at Watermark. He wears lots of different hats. Maybe he'll tell you about it in a second. Jay or Jason Morash. And uh, today we wanted to begin a conversation on um, mental health in one way, but more specifically, this month is Suicide Prevention Month. And so there is an awareness every time we have kind of a... a, uh, national calendar item like that, where we raise awareness, because I think it still is misunderstood and underreported. And um, the thing that's unique uh, about this conversation, Jay, is that I'm one of those people that definitely needs to grow in awareness. And you are someone who's lived it, had firsthand personal experience with it. So uh, I, want, I would love for you to introduce yourself, give a little biographical information, and we'll jump into four or five points that we want to kind of encourage people in, but also raise awareness in. Great. So who is Jay Moresh?
1: Uh, Well, first off, Ben, thank you uh, so much for having me on the show today. Uh, Thanks for uh, Watermark, just for giving me all these opportunities to uh, serve the church and to uh, grow deeper into my faith. Uh, You know, speaking of the mental health journey, I just don't think that um, I'd be where I am today without the family here on staff and also just family in the church in general. So I'm very grateful for that. Um, So, like Ben said, my name is Jay. Um, You can call me Jason if you're mad at me. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I am currently a seminary student at Vanguard, getting my master's in theology. The ultimate goal is to get my doctorate in theology. Um, I am really fascinated by the Holy Spirit. I'm really fascinated by things related to biblical counseling, preaching, soul care, that kind of thing. Um, so that's what I'm really passionate about as far as like my theological studies and um, something that I really want to pursue. Um, about me, I'm 31. Uh, and as Ben said, I've you know had firsthand experience going through things like suicidal ideation, depression, bipolar disorder, ADHD, you know, you name it, I've kind of been through it and uh, have a real, real compassion for those uh, suffering from that. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that's why I'm here today.
0: Yeah, man. And I got so much respect for you, Jay, because of the battle you have fought and the, the road you've walked and the way you've done it. You know, you haven't given up hope. Um, and uh, even though you may have seasons of hopelessness and, and, and your faith has been a weapon, it's been a tool, it's been a very real practical thing for you and so Mm -hmm. just how those two worlds collide is so it's foreign enough to me you know in a a relatable sense and so um, I you know it's inspiring to see the way you've walked so um, let's let's jump right in I asked you for four or five points just for awareness (laughs) and resourcing for people yeah and um, so yeah man what's the number one thing on your
1: list okay Um, I would say that from I guess From a faith perspective, since this is a faith-related podcast, let's just start there. Um, You know, I would say that depression is both a physical, physiological, psychological thing, but it's also, on the other hand, a spiritual thing. Mm -hmm. And what we've seen over the last, like, 50 years as mental health itself has developed in the secular field and also made its way into the pastoral office is uh there's been this debate of what the balance is mm-hmm. and that conversation really started with Jay Adams back in the 70s and yeah, right. what he really thought was that the bible was the only thing that you needed to you know have in order to be sufficient to have counseling and affect people on a psychological level. Okay. Um, that really got rejected. So he was in the 70s? Yeah, he was and like he in was the 70s and representing the like the Christian voice. And he was representing the, he, yeah, so major he, his voice.
0: his position was kind of like Bible and no more. Yeah,
1: exactly. So like you didn't need, you know, the burgeoning field of psychology. It was a bunch of, you know, wish-washy type of new agey thing mm. that, you know, had no place in biblical counseling. Interesting. But uh, he so, was
0: interested in the field of biblical counseling. Yeah, like he, he was, was.
1: He was very interested in, in, you know, in mental health and, right. you know, what kind of impact that he had. So to his credit, you know, he was very, very, he developed very good, you know, theology um, and, uh, you know, personal understanding to help out the church in in that way. Okay, um, But as the You know 20th century concluding and as we learn more about about mental health and how the secular world has really um built awareness around depression suicide mental health um the church is uh really and i think it's a good thing that we start playing with the medical side of things we start playing with the psychological the physiological aspect of depression that it's actually a disease that it's Due to chemical imbalances, the same thing with that goes on all those spectrums like bipolar disorder, whether that be type 1 or type 2, um, ADHD, depression, all that stuff that is going into that spectrum, if you will. And so now what we're kind of seeing is this uh, new thing where it's incorporating both that faith and, you know, physiology, you know, is being combined. And I think that's, that's what it's both. And if we see it in, you know, especially in the new Testament with the healings of Jesus is that he's really teaching that it's both, right. it's symbols of a fallen world. It's a spiritual thing. And mm-hmm. that, you know, sometimes that people who are depressed, you'll definitely have experienced some spiritual oppression, not by their own accord, but just because of the spiritual warfare that we experience right. in our Christian life. Yeah. And it's not directly caused by sin, but you can't totally throw that out the window, especially with um, having Saul being oppressed spiritually in the Old Testament, in the book of 1 Samuel, where he's oppressed by a spirit because God is basically angry at him. So you can't really throw it all out completely. But the real thing is, is that we don't know like John nine is a good example with the blind man at the well. Right. And Mm -hmm. people say, well, like, okay, like that person's sin or their parents Mm -hmm. sin isn't what caused it. But what Jesus isn't saying is, is that all disease is not caused by sin. Jesus is really teaching the disciples there. You don't know what is causing it. Mm -hmm. You have no idea. Yeah. So like to make an assumption that it's either just all like a physiological issue, Or it's all a spiritual issue due to, like, bad faith or sins of the Father, if you will. Mm -hmm. It's total nonsense. You just don't know, and it's pure arrogance to assume either
0: way. Yeah, that's good, Jay. I I love point number one, and this is probably the area we'll have the most to say about it because, you know, just as a church representative, um, this is where I would love to weigh in. And the fact is, is the church does not have a good track record on this. I mean, we just don't. Uh, I appreciate you track the history to one personality who maybe contributed to it or or not. Um, mm-hmm. uh, certainly, we as Christians have a mastery of putting our foot in our own mouth and <laughs> causing more harm than good in this space. And yeah. that's where you know I think we, sh- we could even start from posture of repentance, confession, apology to those who've been hurt by the church, um, church wounding. Uh, there's many of you maybe listening right now or you have a friend that you want to send this to, and, and that describes them, that the church, which should have been the sh- safest place, should have been a refuge, should have been smart— I uh, should have been educated about this, as you say, uh, very accurately, Jay, this physiological issue as well as faith issue. Um, uh, they instead got more hurt and they came in suffering and bleeding and, and in pain and, and got insult to injury, as we say. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, and that's tragic and horrible and um, painful and it, and it grieves us. Uh, every time I meet with, meet with a newcomer that's been brave enough to, um, you know, cast a shadow over the church door again and, and let alone sit with a pastor who many times is hurt and pain comes from the authority structures and those in power and those in leadership um, to sit down with me and then to share that the way they've been hurt breaks my heart every time doesn't get old. I move with compassion every time I hear it. And we just need to call a spade a spade and say, the church has contributed to making this issue worse by yeah. being un- uneducated. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a symptom of a larger thing. I think that what we experience
1: here in the West, um, is this difficulty of coming to terms with suffering, difficulty of accepting suffering is that if you take a look at the history of America, you're like, we're very ambitious. We, uh, have great technology. We've developed a lot of things and have a great economy. And, you know, there's this mindset of maybe that comes from manifest destiny, so to speak, that like suffering can be overcome just by technology or Mm. wealth or even just the power of positive thinking. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's not what the Bible attests to. Right. But the church as a whole, you know, especially in evangelical circles, you know, started really kind of adopting that, unfortunately, even though that the Bible really attests that like life really is just suffering and that suffering exists. However, it is not the end game. Right. But it's not what the church really has preached overall. And so like, you know, you will have parents or, you know, not to blame, you know, previous generations or anything, but it's just a, a mindset of like, well, okay, it's just either your faith that hasn't overcome your suffering and depression, or it's like you just haven't done enough with your life yeah. in order to do that. So there's a lot of mental health that has gone untreated over the last half century mm-hmm. based
0: off of that idea, especially yeah. in the church. I couldn't agree more. And I appreciate that you track, once again, the history of how we got here. And I think the those veins of whether it be a health and wealth gospel, which would be really materialism, or whether it be secular Western thinking of like we can just overcome this with our own ingenuity or our own individualism, those things have infiltrated the evangelical, you know, mainstream church. And then we've co opted those and used those to just say, Get over it or just be tough enough or just have faith or, or just believe and he's gonna heal you one hundred percent and it's like this body is headed towards aging and destruction like it's the body we don't get new bodies completely until heaven right and so i think you're right to trace that i think the couple things i would just throw in and before giving it back to you and we can go to the next one or or camp out here more i think the verse that comes to mind as you talk about physiology and faith coming together that's point number one physiology and faith coming together I've been studying recently, like, what are the leaders of the church called to do? The elders, another word for leader. And James 5, there's this great verse in James 5. Call the elders. Is any one of you sick? Is any one of you suffering? Call the elders to lay hands on them and pray for them. And this book I'm, I'm, I'm studying um, explains that the word that the uh, that James uses for suffering and sick um, is actually like stress. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like overburden. Uh, this essence is like are you heavy burdened are you weary are you stressed are you worn out and i love that there's this emotional and mental component to that Mm -hmm. that is not just um you know i have a broken arm or i have a broken back or i have a headache right now please heal this physical ailment there's an emotional mental ailment that specifically in the greek the original language James was talking about, and he says, pray for these things. And, and each one of those things, by the way, the stress and the burden and the weariness is tied to a physiological response. Yeah. How profound is that? And so the scripture, scripture does speak to this and have a quote unquote answer for it, but also it does not guarantee complete or perfect healing, even for stress or, you know, emotional wounds. And we got to keep that, that balance. That's why we're thankful for medicine and doctors and, and technologies that, you know, can help too. And James also instructs in that, you know, In that epistle
1: that uh, you know he instructs like an anointing Mm -hmm. of the sick and it's almost like there's this spiritual presence that is a call to in anointing and you know our our Catholic friends you know they do treat that as a sacrament and Mm -hmm. so there is something to be said about whether You know, someone has cancer or whether someone's suffering from things like bipolar disorder or or anything like that. There's something to be said that there has to be some kind of spiritual action that needs to be addressed when dealing with, you know, Physiological suffering in the church.
0: Yeah, totally. And and our friend uh, Ed Salas, who we're both reading his book on prayer, the praying church. Everyone should definitely look it up. Ed Salas, the praying church. He talks about that in his chapter on deep healing. You know, quote unquote layers of the onion. Someone could come to you and say, I've had you know chronic nightmares, or I've had chronic headaches, and and, and what he does is he doesn't first just say, okay, let's just pray for the endpoint sy- symptom. He wants to get at the source spiritually or even physiologically. Where is it coming from potentially? Mm -hmm. And it could be coming from uh, unforgiveness they've been holding on to for years. It could come from a conversation that they're just hating themselves about, you know, or kicking themselves over and and pray into each one of those quote-unquote layers of the onion, layers of the body and the heart and the head, and not just the symptom but the source. And I think that's a great way to treat medicine, by the way, too, is you want to treat the whole person. Yeah, it has to be a holistic
1: thing. Why, why Why do hospitals, you know, place such an emphasis on having chaplains there, right? Why is it? Right. Well, because health and, you know, uh, pastoring mm-hmm. chaplaincy, they're
0: directly related to yeah, each other. Absolutely. I agree. So I think that's a great transition. I mean, and a, a, a punchline for that first point is we're talking about holistic approaches and stop compart- compartmentalizing it. Certainly stop treating them like they're mutually exclusive and there's just science and just scripture. That's That's so bogus. Like, can't we debunk that and put it to, re- to rest forever? Finally? Absolutely. So that's a great point. And
1: you know, uh, you know, it's so important to bring, you know, bring natural theology back mm. into, you know, uh, the church. Right. And you know, back in the medieval ages that they referred to scripture and nature as the two books mm. that your spiritual understanding, your spiritual education was not complete. Unless you studied both. Wow. And that is the most important thing is that it's all connected together. That right. we witness God outside scripture and we witness God inside scripture.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And and mental health is no different.
0: Yeah, it's good, dude. Yeah, I love that. That's Maybe this comes up later, but I love what... <laughs> Pete Scazzaro says about the body being a minor or major prophet, meaning it's telling you something. Mm. (laughs) So you're like saying, pay attention to nature, nature in your body too. You know what I mean? Like pay attention. It's telling you something or there are cues there. And Paul says that, right? And uh, is it the Corinthians, right? That he is, Oh no, it's, Romans, maybe Romans 1 and 2, that the invisible God, there are visible signs of an invisible God just looking around you. Mm -hmm. And so the same thing is true about even our bodies and our minds. What cues are they, you know, are we meant to pay attention to? Um, I think that's so important. We can't neglect it or say it's evil. That's it. And we got we can get into that whole yeah, thing. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to take the bait of like uh, you know, dualism <laughs> or narcissism or whatever it was. Like, <laughs> matter's evil. Body's evil. No, dude. No. Yeah. Like not, in, not according to Genesis 1. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't start out that way. We no. have a fallen nature. We have sin, as you've talked about. We have to deal with that. Sure. And certainly these are the part of the consequences of sin is... You know suicidal thoughts yeah, mental it's health, not pain, your anguish. sin it's all of our sin that right. really is connected to it all right right but that yeah anyway so thanks a lot adam yeah appreciate <laughs> it yeah all right man what do you got first point number two before we make point number one the entire episode
1: well i think uh just if we continue the theology uh, of it um you know going deeper into the spirituality thing and we'll, we'll get back into like the more practical sense sure. here um I think that actually, depression could actually be a powerful spiritual experience. Um, And where I really kind of came to this conclusion was one night um, I was having depression and I was mourning over the loss of a really good friend. And, uh, you know, she just left my life and, you know, it just really caused a profound impact on me that I, I just felt really, really depressed. And then I started walking around and I was listening to some music and I was listening to some sad songs, you know, getting pretty emo Mm -hmm. about it. (laughs) But then I realized like, I was like, you know what? This music is beautiful. This sad music, as sad as it is and how much sadder this is making me. This is also incredibly beautiful Hmm. that I can feel this. I can feel the pain in the voice of this breakup song I can feel my own pain. And then as I learn about Jesus and I learn about, you know, especially the Gospel of Mark as the suffering servant, Mm -hmm. the man of sorrows, Mm -hmm. Jesus wept at Lazarus and Luke, right? Like, I mean, it's incredible. Hmm. You know, Jesus's life, you know, can't be necessarily one of like incredible happiness. I mean, if Gethsemane, I'm sorry, Gethsemane shows us anything, that Jesus was under terrible burdens. Mm -hmm. Burdens that no one can carry except for the Son of God. And so what I realize is that in our suffering, in depression, we can actually really connect to Christ. Mm -hmm. And in fact, C.S. Lewis even said is that suffering is where Christians go to meet God. Uh. In fact, actually people have conversion experiences because of their suffering. And so that's like a really profound realization is that Now when I'm depressed, instead of just like, okay, I'm feeling, you know, I guess suicidal or I'm feeling like nobody loves me or I'm a burden to everybody and, you know, start taking these thoughts from the enemy or from my mind and everything like that, I start to seek for God and God just sometimes just lets me sit there. Mm. I pray for him to take it away, but he just sometimes just let me sit there and the reason why I think... Is because he wants me to connect to that. Hmm. He wants me to connect to that spirit of desolation, hmm. that pain, and for the reason why um, is partly because of empathy. Hmm. Um, one of my favorite verses, Second Corinthians one three through seven. What Paul is basically saying there is that we went through these trials for your comfort. If we are comforted, then you are comforted. Wow. So we want to share our experience that God has done for us, the gifts that he has given to us, onto you. And the only way that we can experience that blessing is to suffer, wow. is to go through depression. Wow. And therefore, it's beautiful. Mm. And and I really like what uh, what Henry Nouwen said, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it's only a suffering Messiah can be a savior to a suffering humanity mm. and so jesus suffered for our sake because if he didn't then maybe he just doesn't really like have an understanding mm-hmm. and so in those moments of like finding god and suffering god is totally there and because god is a suffering god long suffering with us mm-hmm. the creation his creation cries out in pain romans 8 you know waiting to be relieved of that, but God still like is long suffering of that. Mm -hmm. And so the point I'm really trying to get at is that if you can really think of it and it's hard, it's hard to get to that point when you're so drowned in thought, but I guess for all my Christian friends out there, um, or those who are, you know, I don't know, searching for God, if you're listening, Mm -hmm. try to find God down there, Mm. go find him. He's there. Wow. And if God can go down into hell and bring Jesus back to life, the darkest place in the spiritual and physical realms, then for sure he's down there in your
0: darkness. Wow. And he has more power there than the enemy does. Wow. Dude, I'm like, I'm sorry. Um, I know we're live, but I'm shook by just listening to you the last like five minutes. I want to, I seriously, am like, oh, don't fighting back tears listening to what you just said like that was so anointed i'm just pausing right now and just saying like the holy spirit just took over completely and <laughs> using you but using your voice box yeah. i can't add, i can't add a single thing to what you just said i'm not even going to try but i just bless you and affirm you like i honestly I'm wondering if people will even be able to relate because you've you've worked and thought so hard on your process Mm -hmm. like people are probably gonna have to catch up to like this point that you've arrived at like that is the place to arrive at i don't i don't know how you could further quote unquote evolve like and of course you would fight me on that and say no man i'm never done growing and being sanctified (laughs) but talk to me a year later (laughs) I'll, I'll, i'll just affirm two things number one i pray that people there's two things that I heard from you. Number one, that is a tremendous and huge apologetic for suffering with God. That if anyone's listening right now and they haven't found God, they don't know what a relationship with Jesus is even, please just listen back over those last seven minutes of what Jay said. That is a real life, firsthand testimony of someone who suffered with God, has found Jesus in the suffering, and it's possible. I just want people to hear and know it's possible to meet God in the suffering, that, that he's with you in the suffering. He doesn't leave you or forsake you in the suffering. And so... If there's someone listening and they're suffering alone, they're still grinning, burying it. They're still white knuckling it alone without the savior of the world. Please listen to what Jay just said, because that is an encouragement. And the second thing is, is for those who are not as far along in the journey as you are, take hope. This is a picture of where the journey can lead for, for them. Keep the faith, stay the course. Jesus, you can meet him in the darkest place in the lowest valley. That's just so profound. I'm just going to shut up because I can't add to what you just said, dude. That was insane. I'm going to listen back on it repeatedly that was a resource that was a wellspring what you just said all right i guess we'll go to point three i just don't know <laughs> how we could come back from that as I what's point number three um i
1: would say uh another thing for uh my depressed friends you know uh celebrate the little victories you know um you know from what i've heard from my therapist um my great christian therapist ryan moyer who is in tustin And if you want to go see him, he's a fantastic, fantastic therapist Mm -hmm. um, who has really, really helped me get into my healings. And I've learned a lot from him. And um, one of the things I learned, at least from going through counseling, is that there are different levels of depression that become so immobilizing or so paralyzing that some people just don't even get out of bed. That their depression is so bad that they'll get bed sores and that they'd rather soil themselves than get up and go to the bathroom. Mm. And so one major trick of, you know, surviving depression is just looking at the little victories, Mm -hmm. like getting out of bed. If you're depressed is an incredible victory. Mm. It is so profound. And I can tell you that I have firsthand experience of this. Um, you know, for those who have met me at the church, I'm sure that you've heard that my, you know, my sister died in the Kobe Bryant um, helicopter crash. And that was, you know, that wasn't the worst day of my life. You know what was hmm. the next day hmm. because you woke up and then you realized that you didn't dream that. Hmm. And you don't want to get out of bed in the morning because you don't want to face the reality that your sister is dead. Mm-hmm. And that's terrible, right? absolutely terrible. And you just don't have the strength to just get up in the morning. Mm-hmm. And you know what? My mom, you know, loved my, you know, sister so much that the thing that she thought of when she woke up this morning was her kids. Mm-hmm. And that's why she got out of bed in the morning to go take care of them, to go be there for mm-hmm. them, mm-hmm. even though she lost a child, which probably is the worst feeling in the world. Yeah. Probably. I have no idea, but that's what people say.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And when I saw her do that, I, I was like, you know what? If she can get out of bed, I can get out of bed too. Mm. But, you know, it was still really hard. Mm-hmm. You know, so like, I mean, you can't take away the fact that just getting out of bed and having the courage to face the day, especially when you're depressed, when you're actually like spiritually oppressed and have this deep depression that is caused by physiological, psychological effects. Mm -hmm. My God, be thankful. Mm. Not only be thankful, but be proud of yourself. That you decided to have the courage to get up and face the day. No matter how dark the day is, Mm. no matter how much you think your life sucks. No matter how much you think the world is a cold, desolate and evil place you had the courage to get up Yeah, and so celebrate the little things. They're not insignificant. Mm-hmm. They're not right. being kind to someone on one day. You never know. You could change the world just because you were depressed and you saw someone else be sad.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like they could be random, but just because you were nice to them might change their life. And because you changed their life, they're changing the lives of other people. Right. So they're,
0: do not discount the insignificance that's good it's really good Jay. yeah i think celebrate the small victories the small wins um man that's such a vital vital truth find one reason i heard you say i'm just taking notes here and when you went into the story of your mom you know like that's what i'm hearing you say is find one reason to get out of bed find one reason to live you know if this that that is that is the context of this recording is like suicide (laughs) prevention or awareness like find one reason. Now, I you know I think you you have more first person experiences with this, or know more people who've battled this. But wouldn't you wouldn't you say that's a very practical but helpful thing? Like in the moment of like I'm gonna take my life. Um, obviously, you have a tunnel vision that there's no one else. There's yeah. no one else, and there's no 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 thing else. Yeah, that could possibly you know care about this decision or this act. Yeah, and so you know to to live for one thing to find one reason, one yeah. victory, all those things, just the power of one is really relevant there, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that is so hard to do. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to
1: deny the reality. You know, they tell like, um, you know, people with suicidal ideations, they're just like, oh, there's so much to live for. Well, while that is true, mm-hmm you maybe. are so lost in your mind that that truth bounces right off your perception rings yeah. and just goes off into space.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. And, uh, the only way I think that the strongest thing is your relationships. Mm-hmm. That is yeah. the only right. thing that really, really matters. That's good. And the amount of destruction that you can do if you lose your, if you decide to take your own life,
0: Yeah,
1: you know, you might alleviate your own suffering and uh but you just began suffering for you know your parents well, your your wife well, your your kids mm-hmm. your friends yeah you know your aunts uncles it doesn't matter like your sphere of influence just got profoundly impacted and I, I and i don't know if this is true or not um but i do believe at least that maybe we could you know You could look this up, but I think I heard somewhere that, like, that suicide, if a child commits suicide, uh, and I'm just talking about, like, a child of a parent, whatever, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: that parent is more likely to commit suicide themselves. Wow. So it's not only are you transferring pain onto someone, you might be transferring your own suicide onto them. Wow. So that's the only thing that is strong enough to really, really
0: let you stay. Yeah. I'm so glad that you said it first, man, because it was more of a question for me and I was going to bring it up, but then you affirmed it. That's why we can't go this road alone um call it christian fellowship christian community family friends network whatever word you want to use we can't go it alone you know we never were meant to and and you know these last two years the numbers with pandemic and such the numbers of suicide and and self-harm and mental health have just skyrocketed i don't think we need to pull up google to confirm that they've skyrocketed records just record numbers and, and it's because we've been isolated, it's because we've been separated from community. And I would just say this to people who are listening, please reach out for community, whether that be Christian community, whether that be, you know, the different um, support groups of the world, you know, whether that be Grief Share, Grief Support, or 12 Step. Well, I don't know what the names of the things are. And we can link to resources, Jay, and you know more than I do, but for sure, for sure, for sure, we in the, in the church, just represent the church once again like uh, Christian fellowship will bless you. And like, that's what I put when, when you were saying like celebrate the small victories. I understand from my relationships of people who have maybe had depression is like, th- like you said, that mental, those voices bounce off. Like and the voice inside is saying, no one, nothing, nobody, I'm the worst, no redeemable quality. Yeah. And so when the friend can come and, and interrupt that cycle and say, no, dude, look at that small victory. I can name 10 for you right now. Yeah, I can name 10. To be the friend that sees it when they can't see it and to name those victories and affirm and bless who they are, their identity, their giftings, their reason for being, like you have to have an outside voice that that shakes that that yeah. cycle and breaks that cycle of like we were talking about the other day even like self-rejection or self-hatred like a lot of our friends out there who are suffering in this are locked in that mental cage yeah. of of belief and fellowship or community or friendship is able to interrupt that and say no you did this one thing today you need to celebrate it yeah absolutely and uh you know um
1: be open to having friends pray over you hmm. Um, I do believe that, and you and I are both witnesses to that, but remember, like, I don't know, um, nigh on two years ago that, you know, I was in there crying with you, crying my eyes out over in the church office here and, you know, just about how depressed I was and, you know, this, this and that thing that is going on in my life. And then you just said like, Hey, can I pray for you today? I'm like, okay, sure. And it was a powerful prayer. Mm. You laid hands on me, you know, and you could feel the power of the Spirit kind of moving over that. And while it may have took a lot of time for that prayer to be answered, but Mm. it did. Mm. And I'm here to tell everybody here today, I'm here to witness to the power of the Holy Spirit. in that prayer. The power of the Holy Spirit of multiple prayers. When I was in, um, you know, when Patrick, Pastor Patrick here was leading a small group and I was basically telling him like, hey, I'm thinking about committing suicide. Mm. All my male friends in that study group all laid their hands on me and protected me. Mm -hmm. I guess maybe I didn't feel it right away and I definitely may have you know, needed some other life experiences that really, like, shake me out of what is going on. Sure. But the power of having your, you know, someone lay their hands on you and, and you know, ask
0: the spirit to be there.
1: Mm-hmm. It's so powerful.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I think that fits in really perfectly with this find one thing or one reason or one small victory. How about 1% of healing? <laughs> I love, you know, what one speaker said. At a conference here at church about healing, and they go a little bit too far where everything's healing and everyone's gonna get healed. But I love the thing that he, he suggested, which was like a seed of healing could take place even if they're not feeling 100% better right now, Mm -hmm. maybe they even feel 1% better. And that's, I see, I feel like, not to get too mathematical or too Western on us, (laughs) but I just feel like that's part of what you're describing is like, that prayer didn't fix it all. And I want people to hear that. It didn't fix it all. It definitely didn't fix it that day. But did it plant a seed of healing where like even 1% a day? And and by the way, the psychology, the neuroscience totally supports this for habits and other things. Like 1% Using compounding interest. Like Mm -hmm. if you did, if you did, got 1% better, it's not, you know, it's a lot. It's a compounding effect. Yeah. So I don't know. That's cool to start. But it starts with one. The point is, it starts with
1: one. It's just like Jesus describing, um, you know, the kingdom of God that starts as a mustard seed. Mm -hmm. And that's where, you know, maybe healing, maybe in our own experience, that's really where to begin. It like, decide, it starts as this small Mm -hmm. thing, but a mustard seed grows into this big plant this big tree all of a sudden out of just this really tiny thing yeah it's so true you know so like you can't discount that right
0: you really can't
1: it's good dude what do you got for us on number four okay so just moving into like the more uh practical things.
0: that's good too Um, people need
1: that too yeah practical things uh i would say that if we just kind of keep it on you know people with mental health but this is also uh, to people who have loved ones whether it be children family members uh friends doesn't matter um these are a couple different points that are gonna really really help you out and um i would say to start off is that uh 5150 is not necessarily a bad thing and for those people who don't know what 5150 is 5150 is a legal 72-hour hold that the state can impose on you if a peace officer or a medical doctor determines that you are a threat to yourself or to other people. And what that'll usually do is that you'll end up in an emergency room and then once you wait a while and they find a psychiatric hospital and a bed there for you that you will go there for 72 hours. And you lose your right to habeas corpus, which means you lose your right to, you know, freely come and go as you please. And security guard is watching you. And then you go into a, you know, a psychiatric hospital where you definitely have people who are suffering from other ailments. And it can definitely be like a scary time Mm -hmm. and a really structured place. Yeah. But I can tell you that if you need to go to the hospital for the love of God, go to the hospital, you're sick. Mm -hmm. You're sick. Yeah. And you want to die. Right. Imagine if you get like a heart attack, you're knocking on death's door. Suicide ideations are the same thing. You're knocking on death's door because you're thinking about it. Yeah. You're definitely thinking about it. And especially if you're starting to think of plans to do it, then please go to the hospital. If your other Systems are not working. If mm-hmm. talking to your friends, talking to people you trust is not working. If you know if your therapist is not texting you back, if your pastor is not texting you back because they're busy, mm-hmm. you know, yada yada, or if any of your other solutions are not working, then dial nine one one. And if you're a family member, dial nine one one. Yeah. Who cares? Right. It's just like this. It's like, so what? You know, don't take the risk of them dying. Mm-hmm you know, don't do that. Right. Just do it. Right. Like, I don't, they they might hate you for it or you might get ostracized yourself and you might up in a place that's kind of scary and, um, definitely has, you know, structures and, you know, only allows maybe you to smoke a couple cigarettes a day, Mm but, but, you know, and I digress here, but, you know, just go yeah. and at least they'll give you the attention that you deserve. Mm-hmm. They're going to look at you from a psychiatry perspective mm-hmm. and they're going to give you, they're going to look at you from a psychology perspective. And at least they're just going to give a crap enough about you to keep you alive for three days. Mm. Mm. And then maybe at the end of those three days that you're feeling better and that things just kind of, you know, um, you know, are, 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 you know, you're not thinking about dying. Right. You know and at least they're going to give you a treatment plan and maybe you know I, I have some reservations about how they treat you especially if you're on things like medi-cal or whatever you know they're just kind of you know do things to at least make you not a threat to yourself or other people yeah they may not be the best treatment you may not your quality sure. of life may not improve sure but at least the threat to yourself is going to be less and until then Until then, at least you'll be alive. Yeah, man. And you keep working.
0: Yeah. Just keep yourself alive. Yeah.
1: And that's the most important thing.
0: Man, Jay, you know, again, I'll raise my hand and say I didn't even know really what that term meant, that code was. But you've done such a simple definition and unpacking of it. And more importantly, what you've done is you've demystified. You've demystified something that sounds very dramatic or an extreme intervention, but so articulately and rather convincing to me. Like better to have, I put it here in the notes, like better to have hospital control than losing a life. Like better to submit and hand over your even your rights um, or you know or your will to save a life, and you can do that on behalf of someone else as well. And and again, I love how you put that. Like they may hate you or they may never forget it, but at the same time, they'll be around to think about it. Yeah, (laughs) you know. And so that's that is intensely practical, but I hope really educational for people. Absolutely, and if I could share my experience about how
1: I ended up in a psychiatric hospital, Um, I had my car repoed. I was struggling financially. I basically nearly got fired from my job and and you know just life was just really depressing at that point and mm-hmm. so I'm driving down the 101 going to work in Sonoma County and then I'm just I've been crying all weekend and um you know I basically was faced with the choice of like okay I'm either gonna go jump off the cliffs of Sonoma County
0: mm-hmm.
1: or I'm gonna go to Santa Rosa Hospital and I decided to go to the ladder, thank God. And mm. so that's why I'm here today.
0: Wow.
1: Um, you know, and it was a, it was a rough experience. I mean, people are watching you go to the bathroom. You mm-hmm. can't leave your hospital room. And if you somehow escape, the cops will go looking for you. Mm-hmm. You know, if yeah. you can escape the hospital, good luck with that. <laughs> you know, and yeah. you may be there 24 hours. Right. And I even got, you know, the only hospital bed was like three hours away. Mm-hmm. You know however and as as rough as that experience was and as crazy as that experience was i would not be here today if i didn't go through that and i thank people at rest pad um rest pad up in uh, redding um i thank them for that you know um i'm just glad that they took me in I didn't appreciate it at the time, but my God, I'm so thankful that God let me go to that. Mm-hmm. It kept me alive. Yeah. it's amazing. And dude. it kept me down the road of like trying to figure out my mental health, mm-hmm. you know, so to speak. So I guess for anybody who's afraid out there, so what? Right. You, so you get stigmatized. So what? So what? Your, your child gets stigmatized. Fine. That's okay though. Mm-hmm. Because I'd much rather have my child get stigmatized right. for being in a psychiatric hospital mm. than not have my son, yeah, or child, whatever, or not have my friend. I'd rather think my friend, you know, I'd rather you know have my friend stigmatized than not have my friend.
0: Yeah, it's so, again so powerful. And thank you for your, your vulnerability and sharing your real life, first person story with us, dude. Mm-hmm. Let's bring it home with point number five.
1: Okay. And the last one is, uh, I guess for, this is for people who are, um, have loved ones, not only is, you know, don't be afraid of the hospital, but, um, for people who are going through depression and they start telling you about these really dark thoughts that they're having about how much life stinks and how much nobody loves them and how much that they feel like they're a burden on people. And you know, how, you know, dark the world is and and while these are lies these are clear lies you know lies from the enemy lies from within from the disease um don't completely deny the reality Hmm. you know what people who have depression and are having suicidal thoughts or really dark thoughts the last thing that they want to hear is that what they're saying is not true Hmm. and while that's maybe the truth that what they're saying is not true by basically you just flat out rejecting them basically means that you're not listening to them and just further expanding on the idea that that their voice is not being heard that they don't matter in the world because they can't speak truth to anyone they can't help anybody see their own side of things and so when i say that like if you're a friend or a parent or whatever don't completely deny the reality. You don't have to accept the reality, but don't deny it outright. Mm -hmm. One of the best things to say is like, you know, okay, you could say, okay, man, like, oh man, you know, life is just terrible, man. And you know, everybody is just out to get me. And you know, it, it just doesn't make sense. Well, try using a little bit of like one of the most underappreciated books is Ecclesiastes. people don't like reading it because it's dark Mm. and it comes from like kind of like a Nietzsche Albert Camus Uh. you know type of you know
0: (laughs) yeah Yeah. exactly
1: so but if you can relate to that like saying yeah man like the world is full of suffering the world is an ugly place the world experiences rejection everybody experiences rejection everybody experiences pain So acknowledge the pain. The pain is what exists. The conclusion is not what it exists, but the pain is sure real. Acknowledge that the pain exists and acknowledge that the pain is caused somewhat by that half truth. It's not a complete lie. It's just more or less like it's based off of the premises. Maybe the pres the premises are true. The conclusion isn't. Mm. So if you can just say, Oh yeah, man, like, Dude, been there. Life is really hard, man. Oh, yeah, I broke up with my girlfriend too. I felt like crap for a year. It sucked. I didn't feel loved. Now, don't make it all about you, but at least just acknowledge the pain. Right. Acknowledge that maybe you've experienced some of that pain, Mm because
0: I'm sure you have.
1: Yeah. Wow. And so to deny it outright would just only make the problem worse.
0: Yeah. Man, I can't tell you how priceless that piece of feedback is and educational. Like I would have missed that. I totally would have missed that. My personality and my wiring. No, let's focus on the positive. No, let's change your thinking. Or, or no, you know, I'm a perspective guy. Ultimate perspective guy, right? Or even overly encouraging guy. And it's like, you're skipping a step. You know, we're all skipping a step. And that can only come from someone who's really lived it and knows it well. So that's worth the million box out point number five, dude, is don't mm-hmm. skip that step of meeting them right there. And by the way, we have another biblical precedent in that besides Ecclesiastes is like, that's Jesus' model. He doesn't skip to step three, four, five, you know, deliverance, deep healing, mm-hmm. new life, restoration, salvation. Like he meets them right there. You know, yeah. he doesn't he doesn't fast forward. He's OK with the mess and yeah. he meets them in the messiest place. So man, I think that's so profound.
1: Yeah. Don't end up being like Job's friends that like totally yeah. miss what's going on. Yeah. You know, because Job's friends are really like the ones truly sitting in the book of Job. You know, they're basically telling like buck up, shape up, or you committed a sin. What do you need to forgive for? Or, oh, maybe you just need to like, you know, just change your thinking. Wrong,
0: right, wrong. That's what they. That's, that's what Job was hearing. Wrong. I think he's wrong, and I'm wrong, and that's part of your point. When and you come if to you someone, got a,
1: and if you got a depressed friend, you can just end up being like Job's friends, mm-hmm. absolutely, mm-hmm. and not helping, and actually making the situation a lot worse. Because Job ended up getting really upset, mm-hmm. and so you could actually piss people off more. And yeah. I don't mean to swear like that, but that's, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That's. Yep.
0: that's no, again, I think yeah. that's a perfect biblical precedent and an example of this. Fitting, just hits the nail on the head, Jay. Um, adds insult to injury. The person will hear, I'm wrong. My thinking's wrong. I'm wrong. Oh, good. You know, thank you for confirming my Yeah, thanks a lot.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. I can just make my life sunshine and rainbows just like that, huh? Yeah. Thanks a lot.
0: (laughs) So actually that point is so empathetic. It's so understanding. It's so perceptive and just smart, just emotionally smart. So. Jay, man, I can't thank you enough, dude, for taking the time to jot that down. I, I've been just had my eyes open, seriously. Been illuminated today and um, even elevated, man. Um, again, I'm going to come back and have another listen, but is there any final words you want to depart for people listening?
1: Um, yeah, uh, I would just say that uh, dial 911 <laughs> if you are not feeling good. Yeah. Don't be afraid to go to the hospital. And just, I think that this is really the most important thing. This has been like the biggest thing in my healing. And I'll, I'll say this last thing. My God, do you matter? Mm. You matter so much. Yeah. You know, and I'm crying saying this, but like, think of this thought. is that before the creation of the world, God thought of you. You appeared in his mind as a thought. And not only were you a thought, that God thought you were such a good idea that he took the time to engineer you not just your biology, but your personality, your mm. spirit, your soul. And then he had you had all these random things, you know, happen that you somehow were created and that you would appear in this physical reality in God's creation that was deemed good at the beginning. Mm-hmm. What an immense gift, just being alive, being able to see through your own eyes, it's an incredible gift. Mm. Do not think that you do not matter, because, mm. man, you matter so damn much to God. Mm-hmm. And that can't be taken away from you. That's good.
0: So good, Jay. Thank you. That is a perfect and emphatic way to end this thing. Um, there are no accidents. There are no accidents. No, not at all. So this is not, you are not a mistake. Um, you matter immensely. That's a great punctuation mark for this episode. Jay, thank you so much. Thanks for bringing your whole heart and, and soul into this episode. I know it's going to bless and encourage and help someone today and, and w- perhaps one of the most meaningful ways we've ever done on a conversational podcast, dude. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you guys for listening. Uh, join the conversation, please. If you have questions or comments, concerns, whatever it may be, watermarkoc.com slash questions. It's an anonymous way to start a conversation. We will link all these, all the outline for this and some of the resources for this to the show notes. So please check that out. I can't encourage you enough. Send this episode to someone, whether you found it on Instagram or you found it on the iTunes um, podcast app or whatever you're listening on, send it to someone. It, it quite literally could save a life. And I've never even had the chance to say that before. So thank you for listening. Thank you, Jay, once again.